Amen. God bless you, church. Welcome home. Have a seat. Today, I encourage you to open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Thank you, band. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Hold on to that place. Um, I'm going to hit it about halfway into the message today. Now, most of you know this. I'm on this very long road to recovery from a broken patella. But the good news is I am recovering and I'm progressing. Uh, I always like to share a stat every single week. And so my new stat for this week was as I was working on the anti-gravity treadmill, which is a cool machine. You guys don't get to play with those. I do. But as I was on that, I was able to walk 2.2 miles per hour for five minutes um, at 65% weight. And now, now that means nothing to you. It really doesn't mean all that much to me, but it's a higher number than it was before. So I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, I, I'm progressing. My left leg is rebuilding. Muscle is is uh, reforming ever so slowly. And I'm actually in the process of learning how to walk again. But it's amazing how after a few weeks of inactivity, how muscles uh, deteriorate and they, I, they it just literally, muscle just literally disappears and turns into fat. <laughs> uh, what, what went and what was lost over a period of seven weeks of of my leg being immobilized actually takes about a year to reproduce. It reminds me of a lot of an old saying which says use it or lose it. In fact, it's interesting because that is a, a kingdom principle. Jesus himself taught that principle. But last week, my physical therapist told me this. He says, okay, Tim, I mean, you're doing really good. He said, you're, you're moving along very quickly and, and just this is great. So I think it's time for us to start learning how to walk without crutches. And I just laughed. I was like, ha, ha. he didn't laugh. Uh, and he says, I'm serious. And I said, well, well, and I, I wanted to jump ahead because I'm thinking like, I just want to climb the stairs easily in and out of my house. You know, I want to sleep upstairs again and, and in my room. And I said, well, I just want to climb stairs. And, 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 he, and he, said, he said, you can't even walk yet. The stairs aren't even on the radar. It's like, you know, I didn't like what he said, but for some reason, uh, he just knows now how to motivate me. And so I'm like, well, it just motivates me to try to learn how to start walking again. And so, so he got me all set up, told me what to do. And I just stood there and, and, and I, I had to, he says, okay, take a step. And I was like, I can't, I have to psych myself up. You know? So I had to get in this zone and psych myself up and tell myself that I could do it. And slowly I began taking these steps and it was just so stinking awkward. I mean, nothing felt natural and I was wobbling all over the place. And, and I was trying to do everything that he said and I was watching my foot and I was watching my knee trying to do the good form and it was hopeless and and finally I, I tried a different approach I just I just thought you know what I'm just gonna look straight ahead I identified a spot on the wall and I'm just going to aim toward that spot. And, and I, I know this sounds weird to you, but I just thought the way that I did it in my brain is like, I'm on a journey. My destination is Jesus. So that spot is Jesus. I know spots aren't Jesus, but that, that's the way it worked for me. I, I'm a preacher. That motivates me. So, so, so I, I aimed toward the spot and, and my form cleaned up a little bit and my extremely, extremely slow stride began to feel a little bit normal. And, um, and now I'm probably up to about 20 steps per minute as long as I walk in a straight line on a flat surface with no obstacles and taking a rest after every uh, 10 steps or so. And I also have to have my emergency crutch in my hand right by my side in case my knee buckles, you know. But I'm walking nonetheless and, and it's ever so slowly that I'm beginning to feel like Tim again. And I've learned this, that if my eyes are fixed on the destination, if my eyes are fixed on the goal, and if I'm not obsessed with perfecting every little step, gazing at my feet, the truth is I walk better. And I think that's a huge lesson for our spiritual lives because 
We often get really frustrated in our lives and, and, and we're angry at ourselves. We even get disappointed in ourselves because we're dissecting our every little single move. And when we could all the time just walk better if we focus with determination on Jesus. And there's another little lesson that I got out of this as well is that if I'm trying to walk, I figured this out very quickly, if I'm trying to walk and I see someone out of the corner of my eye, and if even if I slightly glance at them, it causes me to lose my balance, uh, and then I have to engage my emergency crutch, and my walking ceases immediately. I just stop. I'm not able to progress because my knee starts to buckle, and I start to I lose my balance. So basically, if I get my eyes on other people, or if I look down at my feet, my progress halts up to 100%. Every time that happens, I get frustrated. I get frustrated with myself, I get frustrated with the situation, I get frustrated with everything. And the thing is, that's a huge lesson for our journeys because as soon as we start looking at other people, our progress ceases. And then we end up getting frustrated. And, and you know, it's just that it's so interesting that learning to walk has a lot of parallels in our own spiritual lives. And the truth is, is that God puts these signs and he puts lessons around us all the time to keep reminding us of kingdom principles. And that's what he's doing for me. And what our job is to do, and your job as well, is to look, to listen, to receive, to see, and to respond to what God is saying around us. Now, in the, in the series that I'm in right now called Purpose and Destiny, I'm talking about how your life is actually beckoning you to move forward into your purpose and destiny and, and understand that your roadmap is, is distinct and it's profoundly unique and, and it's designed for you alone to get to conquer. And I really want every single person to seize your purpose and seize your destiny. I want that for me too. I, I, I want you to live a big life. I want you to simply be you. I want you to be the you that God created you to be. And honestly, it's your choice. Um, God speaks to us in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 with these words. He says, he says, stand at the crossroads and look. And he said, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way or the good road, good pathway is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. That means clarity of mind, emotional peace. That means uh, authentic calmness about life. You, if you choose the ancient paths, if you walk in the good way, that happens. If you refuse to allow your life and my life to be consumed with the, what I would consider to be the mainstream insanity, which is like a congested interstate where you're breathing fumes and you're dodging crazies and you're trying to rush through life, the truth is that's gonna cause a lot of stress in your life. And, and I, I just really believe that God's calling us uniquely and individually to follow these ancient paths. And on that ancient path, you get to live a big life. You get to be yourself. You get to have clarity of mind. You get to have emotional peace. You get to have authentic calmness about life. And, and the truth is, I don't want a small life. I told you that last, last week, because a small life is never really fully present. You can't enjoy the moment because your mind and your emotions and your handheld device that you're looking at, they're all running on all these different tracks. And, and a big life is actually fully present and, and it's drinking in the moment. And, and a small life is controlled by yesterday's pain and by yesterday's misery. 
missteps. A big life isn't dependent on the past. A small life uh, stalls out and becomes assessed with, with fears and frustrations and obstacles in life. And a, and a big life just keeps moving forward, knowing the Lord is your helper. You don't need to be afraid. See, a small life won't take risks, as, and it's consumed with staying in your own bubble of your padded cells where you don't hurt yourself or hurt anyone else. But a big life is actually marked by faith where you picture the impossible possibilities and you start taking action. You know, faith is like saying, here I am, Lord. It's like Abraham and Isaiah said, before you even know the details of your mission. Whereas like a small life is wants to know, well, I just need to know every single thing about my mission. I need to set up these negotiations with God before I even know know, whether I'm in or not. Some people are still praying about it, and you've been praying about it for years. Like, you know what? You, you probably never were praying about it. It's just being honest. I hear that as a pastor all the time. Well, I'll pray about it. I'll get back with you. They never get back with me. You don't even pray about it. They just they're like, give me a break. That's just the, I'm just to be honest with you, that is the wimpiest answer ever. Now you can say it if it's true, but just don't lie and say it. Don't, don't use it as a, as a way of dodging something, all right? Because a small life actually tries to control everything around them while their own lives are being dictated by the latest cultural splash. A big life is where you take control of your life and simultaneously you surrender all of your life to Jesus. A small life merely talks about their plans and desires and what God is saying to them. But a big life takes that and pursues purpose and destiny. And that's what I want for you. See, a small life is consumed with the feeling that you never measure up. And a big life says it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. See, a small life looks at, just looks at other people's and gaze at other, gazes at others and, and tries to be like them in an attempt to measure up to other people's expectations in an effort of fashioning yourself after some kind of a human idol out there. But a big life knows that God created you to be you. See, a big life knows that you are uniquely created for unique purposes. A big life knows that you can't shape your life while you're focusing on trying to be like other people and trying to please every other person in your life. A big person with a big life understands there is huge, massive freedom in being you. That's what I'm talking about today. If you would have known me in junior high, you, you, you would say, there's no way this guy's ever going to be a pastor. Uh, I was awkward and I was shy. Uh, I, I was the youngest of my, my three older brothers, my siblings, and uh, the youngest and the smallest. And, and, you know, I got beat up on all the time by them. And, 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 and in some way, for some reason, I kind of lived with this negative attitude. I was always comparing myself to others, never able to measure up. I kind of existed in this constant state of frustration and inner turmoil. And I hardly had any friends because I was really at odds with myself. But I'll never forget one day in eighth grade at Vernon Junior High School in Harlingen, Texas, and the year was about 1978, and there's this pesky girl, very pesky. I would not call her my friend. I don't remember her name because I don't want to remember her name. She was annoying. But there's this pesky girl who was sitting in front of me in Mrs. Leggett's. <laughs> That's funny with my leg. I just remember we used to call her Peg Leg. I, I don't know. Why were we? We were mean kids because uh, she had a limp. That was terrible. Why am I saying this? Okay. I, everyone else said it. I just kind of joined in. All right. <laughs> Mrs. Leggett's English class in eighth grade. And this girl abruptly whipped around and she made this blunt statement. She said, Tim, I'll never forget it. (laughs) Tim, if you want to have friends, you need to be pleasant and friendly and you just simply need to be yourself because God honors a happy heart. And she whipped back around, her hair like slapped me in the face, you know. (laughs) 
1970s long hair, you know. And she never spoke to me the rest of that day. I was kind of glad because she was annoying. <laughs> but what just happened in Mrs. Leggett's English class, 1978, is God spoke to me through that very annoying girl. And I made up my mind in that very awkward moment in English class that I was going to be different from that point on. It was actually a turning point in my life at school, public school. And, and I was simply going to relax and be me, and I chose that day to be comfortable in my own skin. That's why I encourage you to pursue what you're gifted at and, and pursue what you're good at. And if, because if you don't, you're going to find yourself perpetually exhausted. You're not going to be happy. You're going to be striving to be someone that you're not. And you will lead a miserable life. In fact, knowing who God made you to be is a huge part of the equation. I enjoy psychological profiling. I, I do. I really like it. I think it's pretty cool. I don't know whether you do or not, but I think it's pretty cool. So I'm going to share you a little, a little bit about me. Those of you guys who are into this stuff, you're going to love this part. This is going to be your favorite part. And some of you are going to take notes. You're going to go, oh my goodness, this is great. I, Myers-Briggs says I'm an ENTJ, which means extroversion, intuition, thinking, and judgment. Uh, some of you are going, what? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Those of you who understand Myers-Briggs are going to ENTJ. <laughs> Now we get it. Now we understand. God help him. And you're chuckling at me under your breath, or maybe even out loud, and I'll forgive you. But here's an easier one to understand. It's my Myers, it's my, my strengths finder, top five. And they are this futuristic, strategic, maximizer, activator, and self-assurance. And, and my top five have changed slightly as time has gone by since Strength Finders 2.0 came out, but not in a huge way. I, I, it's, it's, it's really neat because that's pretty that's me. And that's the way God has wired me. And I'm okay with that. My disc profile, I am a DI, which means I'm inspirational. <laughs> DIs are awesome. But when you look at the, how the numbers on it, it gets a little scary because my D and my I are sevens and my I and my, my C are one. My, now, I have to admit, I, I have to say my C is is like about a 1.5, but still, that's, that's my profile, and therefore I try to surround myself with S's and C's because they help to balance me out, but, 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 uh, but it's all about action and results and enthusiasm. That's what I like. You're going, yeah, that's you, Tim. See, it's funny because yesterday I was making this presentation at this big city event, and, and one of the Fort Worth City Council members came up to me afterwards and said, Tim, has anyone ever told you that you're enthusiastic and like really enthusiastic and I laughed I was like yep and I, I, and I, and I told, I told the, the city councilman I said sir I just, I, I just have to blame it on God for making me that way it's who I am and I actually kind of love it <laughs> last summer I led our men here at the church in an exercise to discover their stand here's mine my stand for God I stand for my wife I stand for leadership and influence I stand for my family I stand for my church I stand for my health I stand for my city I stand for family provision. So what do you stand for? Do you know? I've also spent time determining, determining my values. Uh, my values are this, healthy living, passionate living naturally, joyful living, authentic living, intentional living, courageous living, having fun, yeah? Woo! Decisive living, living financially wise. What are your values? Ever since I was 18 years old, I started taking these spiritual gifts analysis, which were brand new back then. They're all on paper, and you had to calculate it yourself. I sure am happy for the internet today, because in preparation for today, I, I, I retook my spiritual gifts analysis, and here's what I came up with. My top three spiritual gifts are this, teaching, faith, and exhortation. 
I'm telling you guys, all this stuff is fun. I enjoy it because really when I know who I am, it helps me to stay anchored. It also helps me to be aware of myself. It helps me to not be pressured to become someone that I'm not or to act a certain way that God has not designed for me. And, and knowing this stuff, just, just, it just helps me to be comfortable in my own skin, to feel confident with who I am and to be okay with who I am not. In fact, I, I encourage all of you guys to know what your spiritual gifts are. Uh, there's a free survey. You can go online and do it. Uh, the little URL is there, uh, spiritualgiftstest.com. Just do it. I mean, take a picture of that. Just do it later. Whatever. Do not do it during the rest of the sermon. Okay, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Be fully present. Yeah. But here's my challenge. Live a big life and take a great journey to understand how God has wired you. That's why I'm excited about the, the Blue Zones Purpose Workshop that's going to be held here uh, on Thursday evening. And I really hope you guys are going to come out to that because even, even the culture itself is saying, if you, if you have a sense of purpose in your life and you, you know where your life is going, then you're actually going to live a lot longer. You're going to be healthier and you're going to be a lot more pleasant. But what I just shared all about myself, it, it actually fits on me, kind of like the most perfect casual clothes on a day off. And it may or may not be what you want me to be, but the truth is, it's okay. It really is, because I'm free to be me. And I really desire, though, for you to be free to be you. Yeah, your, your purposes in life are actually found in your design. I mean, don't you wish your life felt as comfortable as your favorite clothes on your day off? And I'm convinced every one of us really want that kind of a life. Recognize your strengths and play into them. Know who you are and know who you are not. I know I am not a counselor. I am, I, like, I say this, what John Maxwell says is, I, if I needed counseling, I wouldn't come to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a good project manager. I'm not a good fix-it guy around the house. And I'm certainly not a marathoner, duh, you know? And how frustrating would it be if I tried doing all that stuff because it would totally wear me out in my feeble attempt to make other people happy to, or to try to fit into their molds for me. Uh, some of you are, are also wore out. And the reason just might be that you're doing a bunch of stuff, even nice stuff and good stuff, but it's stuff you're not good at. And your life is exhausting. And weariness and burdens and stress. Guys, let me tell you this. This is not God's plan for your life. Jesus has a plan for you and is actually a plan of emotional and mental rest. I mean, do you really think it's spiritual to be frustrated and weary and burdened and stressed out? I mean, no way. So what's the answer? Well, Jesus says it this way. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That means he takes the load with us. <laughs> Learn from me because I am gentle. I'm humble at heart. And you will find, here's the, here it is, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, isn't that what we really want? I mean, Jesus makes it sound so simple. So why do we make it so difficult for ourselves? But, but the truth is, is that, that even when you do this and, and you begin to walk in this pathway, which is the journey that I'm taking you through this year, I'll talk to you more about that tonight, but, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel overwhelmed. 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel, feel inadequate. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be all of a sudden simple and carefree, like, like recess in elementary school. The, the truth is, is that the Bible is actually full of stories of men and women who always felt inadequate or overwhelmed regarding the tasks that were ahead of them. And, and, and I believe this, even though they were wired and designed for those journeys, they would still feel that way. And then I just reflect on myself, and to be honest, I can't really think of a time where I haven't felt inadequate. I've had someone say, yeah, but pastor, you come across really confident. Well, the truth is, that's just a gift. That's a gift. That's just, that's an anointing. That's a gift. That's, that's just something that, that's in my life. But I don't feel adequate. I, I constantly feel inadequate. And here's the truth. I mean, life is full of those overwhelming moments, especially when you want to do something worthwhile and with a sense of purpose. You see, but that's where God comes in and that's where faith comes in and that's actually where the real adventure actually begins because it's not just you doing it on your own. So to be on this journey of, of purpose and destiny, to be on this pathway to a big life, we need to just clean some things up in our minds and, and stop being distracted by our own insecurities and stop trying to live up to other people's expectations of us and, and, and quit putting pressure on ourselves to be someone that we're not. I'm telling you guys, I think we should absolutely refuse to live our lives by comparison. It just doesn't work. A, a, a key to living a life of purpose and living a big life and, and to make a stand is to really know who you really are. And when we do, though, we will still feel overwhelmed, but that's, again, where God comes in. Hey, guys, since, since the beginning of City Life, since this thing first started, I have felt overwhelmed. Since day one. Um, it's different now. It's not the same feeling of being overwhelmed that it was initially because we actually have a solid team of leaders right now. It's not just me and Devin and Preston and Ian running around trying to you know, do everything. That was quite scary back then. But, but I'm still overwhelmed because I'm in over my head. I, I am. Don't let that scare you, but it's just, it's just reality. The, the, the reason I know that is because I know my own imperfections. I know my own weaknesses. But I'm also glad I'm not the only one who has experienced this. And you're not the only one either. In fact, I had you look this up in your Bibles, and I want you to look at it now. Paul said these words. He said, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Nobody really knows exactly what that is, but we just say, it's a thorn in his flesh, and it's a messenger of Satan. Just three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but here's what God said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect. How many of you want the perfect power of God? His power is made perfect where? In weakness. And it starts by knowing what a weakness is and admitting it and just saying, okay, because that's where God starts to work. I like it because he goes on to say this. Don't you want to live this way? He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Like, well, not in American culture. We don't do that. We have to look shiny and spectacular and beautiful and polished. Wrong. It's a facade. It's fake. It's phony. It's plastic. And I'm sick of it. 
why don't we boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on you? That's why for Christ's sake, I like that, it's in the Bible, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am what? Then I'm what? You see, if we know who we are and if we know who fills in the gaps in our lives where our weaknesses are, then, then we can not only be ourselves, but we can also find strength through God in our weaknesses and it's perfect power, perfect strength. I'm telling you guys, that's a, that's a great way to live. Basically, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm strong. During the fourth quarter of this last year, to be honest with you, I was overwhelmed. I was weak. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a nice time. I'll be able to sit back and, and uh, get a little more work done. And I just realized, it took me a while to realize that wasn't working because everything was turned upside down because my broken knee and a leg with no muscle situation all of a sudden uh, messed everything up and it's still messing things up. And I've let people down. I've probably let some of you down. But the, here's, the truth is, is that when I'm weak and when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm inadequate, I'm strong. Here's the truth. This congregation, City Life, became stronger in the fourth quarter of 2015. I not only sensed it, I not only saw it in the lives of people in this church, but I've even seen statistics, and I can even prove it statistically. I was weak, therefore God had a lot more room to work. And in my weakness... I also, especially during this time, it's been important for me to absolutely refuse to compare myself to any other pastor because that would actually be my undoing. Paul said it this way. He said, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. It comes down to this. Refuse to live your life by comparison. <laughs> A few years ago, I, I told Mayor Betsy Price, uh, that I was going to go and hike the North Rim Trail uh, in and back out the same trail of the Grand Canyon. And she says, oh, that's great. She says, last summer, I did a rim-to-rim -rim hike with a 40-pound uh, backpack. And I went, okay. You know, that's all she said. She goes, you're going to love it. But, but for some reason in me, I foolishly took that as a challenge. <laughs> I thought, I can beat her any day. And this lady is... She's a lady, <laughs> and she's older than me, uh, duh. So I, I, I began calculating it. I know I'm, I'm a fool, but let's just, 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 just hear. I calculated, and her little rim-to-rim -rim hike is actually several miles less than my hike. So I was already winning on the distance alone. And since I was a tough guy, I thought, I'll have a 45-pound pack. And I thought that'll be okay because initially it'll get a little bit lighter as the journey goes by and I, you know, eat more and unload more and drink more water. And what I didn't calculate, though, is that my youngest son at that time, I figured he could use a 25-pound pack, but that was actually too heavy for him. And he needed to unload about half of his weight only two miles into this very, very long hike. Now, Mr. Comparison is lugging a pack of 55 pounds. Now, if you don't understand that, it's kind of stuff. I'll just tell you, a 55-pound pack on a hike is a heavy pack. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story today, but uh, here's all I have to say is I'm just glad that my sons and I made it out of the canyon alive. There was a certain point I said, God, I just want to get out of here alive. I, don't, I just don't want to get out of here alive. And by far, it was the most physically grueling experience of my life. And, and the, the thing is, though, if you compare 
and try to position yourself, you're going to find yourself frustrated, disappointed, angry, defeated, bitter, depressed, disheartened, and you're just wanting to throw in the towel and try to get out alive. See, living up to unrealistic expectations that you are putting on yourselves based upon what you are seeing in other people is a sure way to failure. So stop it. In see, what, what, how did Paul say it? Uh, by Christ's sake, no, um, by... For, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, stop it. Just be you. I want you to feel free to be you at City Life. We did something about a year ago where we defined the kind of culture that we are at City Life. And, and as a new church, that's it's important for us to identify that. And so we had about 25 leaders come together and we were, we ch I charged them with this task. I said, I want you to find one individual who would be the, uh, the uh, ideal City Lifer. And then I want you to list three characteristics about the person. Really, what I was looking for was the characteristics. They didn't know that. But the board was full of names and characteristics that day. And, and each, and, and, and it, was, it was an incredible adventure. We looked at it, it's like, man, it's a huge thing. So I said, every single one of the tables, I said, now each table, you have to converse and talk and find, look at that board. Now you have to select one person as a table from that board and then add an additional characteristic to them. And so they went through and they, they chose it. And, and after the entire exercise was completed, it was really quite amazing because all the characteristics of the people that were chosen and I can't even remember the people chosen but I remember the characteristics they were almost all the same and from that we began to identify the culture of our church in fact the culture of our church is summed up in five words we don't put this out there a lot but it's, we, we know what it is as we leave this church it's authenticity it's warmth it's energy it's happiness and it's servanthood I'm comfortable in that skin right there because that's who we are. That's our purpose as a church. And, it's right, and our purpose, really, as a church is wrapped up in those five simple cultural characteristics. And in reality, this, <laughs> those things actually make us a whole lot different than most churches. And that brings me peace as a pastor. And knowing who I am brings me peace. See, we have peace because we no longer have to strive to make ourselves look better. And you can as well. So put a smile on your face and be you. When you live a big life, everything you do is going to be filled with passion and peace and grace and joy. And you're going to be eager to get out of bed in the morning because the reason is you know there's an adventure ahead. But no matter what happens, God's going to be by your side every day when you arise. And he's going to be giving you new steps down that ancient pathway that God has laid out for you. Difficulties and hard work and obstacles and barriers, they will not ultimately hold you back because you know who you are and you're confident in who you are and you're moving forward down the path of God and you are doing it with people who are energetic, warm, authentic, happy, and servant-oriented. Hey, that's a winner. And if you're not sure who you are or what, you're, what you stand for, I, I really want you to begin to find ways to hammer that out even now because it's going to open up a huge door for your life, a big door, so you can live a big life. It'll give you the daily sustenance that you need to keep moving down your adventure highway. And the key to the future that God has placed in your heart is to simply be faithful to who you are, who God created you to be. That's my challenge for you today. Simple. But it has everything to do with taking your next steps forward in your spiritual journey. Would you close your eyes for just a moment and focus internally? And if you want to know this Jesus that we talk about, and you want a clean slate, if you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, um, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you want to be included in this closing prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you if you'll just acknowledge that and lift your hand for me now. If, if you'd like to meet Jesus, the Lord of your life, will you lift your hand for me, please? So I want to pray for you. You want to make things right with God. There's, you know there's a barrier between you and him. <laughs> lift your hand for me, please. Thank you. Who else? Here's what I want us to do. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask that you will stand along with this entire congregation of believers. I'm going to ask you to pray some simple words with me. Will you guys please stand right now all across this room? And I'm going to ask everyone to pray these words with me. Come on, say this with faith. Faith. Put your eyes on Jesus. Say this out loud with me, everyone in this room. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. For today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. <laughs> give me the strength to move past the restrictions that I or other people have put on me. Show me how to live a big life with wisdom and to live free in your grace. And I embrace the adventure ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.